This is a Rooster Teeth production. In 1980, two women and a young boy were driving home from dinner when they came across a UFO hovering right over their heads. Following their sighting, they claimed to experience a number of bizarre health problems which they claimed the UFO was responsible for. Today, we're going to unpack the puzzling story of the Cash Landrum incident. This is Red Web. Welcome back to Red Web, everybody, Task Force at Large. My name is Trevor Collins, and with me, as always, with that gut check, that instinct, those reactions, those questions, and might I just say a very handsome face, Alfredo Diaz. Thank you, thank you. I am fully prepared for this episode. Yeah? Uh, Yes, I watched the movie Moonfall last night. Oh, I watched Moon Knight last night. Oh. Yeah, two totally different things. Yeah, that's very different. (laughs) Moonfall was with Halle Berry Uh and uh, I forgot the lead actor from Conjuring. I should know. Keanu Reeves? No, I should know his name. Oh, Conjuring. You said Conjuring. I I thought... Constantine. Uh, Constantine. <laughs> they, man, that was such a fun movie. Um, but Ed, yes. You got uh, the guy that played Ed Lorraine. Or yes. Ed, Ed Warren. Ed Warren. Right. Which I should remember his name. I'm blanking out on it. It is what it is. Um, but that movie was about the moon mm-hmm. crashing into planet Earth. I forgot that movie existed. But uh-huh. it's hollow inside. Whoa! And it's Aliens. It's aliens the whole time. <laughs> it's aliens. Dude. So I am prepped for this. I oh, hell no, yeah. Uh, per usual, I had no idea mm-hmm. what the episode was going to be about. You said aliens. I'm ready. Yes. Two. Okay. These What's aliens? Yeah. Rude. If you're going to abduct me, do it like not after dinner. Every, like after right. dinner, I'm ready to go tummy, home dude. and sleep and relax. Right. Like abduct me on my way to work. Right. Give abduct me, me when I'm ready to be abducted. Exactly. Not yeah. when I'm full with a full tummy <laughs> driving home convenient. with my seven-year-old son. Exactly. Yeah. Uh lastly, on a more serious note, yes. aliens, that's like the big like ah la 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 aliens. Um, but you did say mm-hmm. that there were health. Yes. problems that came up that yes. are... Symptoms that were attributed to this incident. And they like the, just got doctors baffled or something like that? Well, we're going to dive into that. We're going to dive into what they were experiencing uh, as their story goes. And then we're going to dive into more of those details, as we always do, in the yeah. theory section that attempts to kind of address maybe the underlying truth. Because, of course, as we do on Red Web, we mostly talk about unsolved mysteries, cases like this, supernaturals, cryptids, things like that. Um, And so, yeah, you have the incident, then you have the analysis and the investigation. But then, of course, in the theories, we usually uncover perhaps some more truth mm-hmm. to the to the matter, or that's where our opinions really start to bifurcate the case a yeah. little bit. So but we'll, these, we'll like, dive into that. these, like, unidentifiable, like, health concerns are probably, like, the hook for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to dive into that because like, this story is so interesting, but you're right, kind of at the top, it almost feels like a little bit more of a standard UFO experience. Right. But the craft is a totally different craft than any other story that I've heard of before. Yeah, because this one's talking about like the health implications, health symptoms, and stuff like that. Absolutely. Right. Usually, it's like I saw a light, my butt hurts. Is it really that simple? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But before we dive into this episode, and again, I'm I'm very excited about this one. I know Christian's not able to be here with us today, but we do have Jillian on the ones and twos. If we have any questions, hi, Jillian. Hi. 
And <laughs> already I'm feeling less judged from that corner right. of the room. Immediately less judgment. Um, but I have a couple of exciting things I want to talk about. So as of right now, you can already get this. We have for for this month of May, we have a pride shirt, yeah, a we task do. force pride shirt. It's basically our task force emblem with the uh, the pride treatment. So if you mm-hmm. want to support the show, but also support out youth, because portions of our proceeds will go to support out youth, you can do that and also represent the task force and our LGBTQIA plus community out there. Yes, uh, you but can. In addition to that, I want to tease something that we've been teasing for quite oh, some time. It's time. Oh, it's time. June 9th. Mark those calendars. We got a bag coming, so I'm super excited about that. But, mm-hmm. Fredo, lay it on him. On that day, you might be able to order a little something mm-hmm. that has little hands to give <gasps> you a little hug. Ooh, so if you're out there looking for the world's smallest hug, and I'm not talking about squonk, Jillian, I'm so sorry, but Baby Hands Plushie is, in fact, on the way. Oh my God, I'm so excited about it. June 9th, mark your calendars. Aside from the small hands, there is a bit of a surprise on it. Oh yeah. Fredo had, it'll take, had a little... It'll take you back. <laughs> well, it definitely will. It had every... So Boom. We, we got a prototype of the thing and we were sharing it with all of our friends. And the first question comment combo was, what is that about? And that's what you're about to experience with the plushie that is... You'll see. Tiny hands, baby hands. All right. But with that out of the way... Thank you so much for supporting the show. Let's talk about the Cash Landrum incident. December 29th, 1980, we have Betty Cash, Vicki Landrum, and Vicki's grandson, Colby Landrum, who were driving home to Dayton, Texas after dinner, where they saw a peculiar light lingering above the tree line. It was around 9 p.m. at this point, so they assumed that it was just an airplane approaching the airport, so they paid very little attention to it, and they continued driving home. However, later into their drive, they encountered what they believed to be the same light once again, only this time the light was much closer and much brighter. They claimed the light was coming from a diamond-shaped object which floated just above the trees and was emitting flames hot enough to warm the metal exterior of their car. So I'm going to describe the object now, but just so you have a piece of visual element to what I'm saying, imagine the plumb bob above a sim. You know that little diamond thing above a sim? It kind of looked like that. And it's emitting fire? It's emitting flames from underneath. Yeah. What? And there's a theory all around those flames that Jillian let me know about today. I'm very excited to talk about. That, that's unique. Very unique. I've never heard of like a UFO emitting flames. Yeah. So since you don't know about the description of this one fully outside of the diamond and the flames. Okay. Break down for me what you think is the standard UFO experience when you see one. It's like a, like a thick plate. Like a thick plate. <laughs> yeah. Literally a saucer. Yeah. Right? Take two plates, the mm-hmm. same plates, mm-hmm. put one on top of the other, and then you put invert a, one and like then a little there you go. like a little teacup on top of it. I like that you made the whole thing out of dishware. I mean <laughs> right? I mean it is what everyone's it is. got dishware. Everyone's got dishware. Everyone's got dishware. And everyone can fake a UFO sighting. Now, the appearance of this particular object was interesting. Not only was it described as a diamond in three dimensions and as a cross-sectional kind of shape, but also it was described to have dull metallic silver on the outside. It was shaped, again, like a, an upright diamond where it was taller than it was wide. I guess that would be more of like a, a rhombus. And it was also about the size of the Dayton Water Tower, which I Googled prior to this to figure out the size of the Dayton Water I mean, Tower to say, hey, maybe it's- water tower is probably sizable. Sizable. Yeah. But the one I found for Dayton here in Texas- Right. Was like up on some wood two by fours. And so it didn't seem oh, super big. So very dinky. But I imagine that this is more like helicopter size. 
Oh, know, okay. That helps. Yeah, that helps because I was thinking really tiny aliens. <laughs> hey, we got some baby bodies out there. It could be. Uh, still big heads, normal heads, baby bodies. <laughs> but coming back to this thing, so in, so now instead of the point at the top and the bottom, as a diamond would have, they described the top as being flat, but also the bottom. Instead of being pointed, it was flat. And, uh, and that's also where the fire came out, was that bottom where that bottom point would have been. What do you need fire for in space? That's a good question. There's no oxygen in space. You can't no create fire in space, can you? Well, let me well, let me well, ask you this. What, what are we doing when we're flying up to the moon or low Earth orbit or whatever? You see fire, you know? Yeah, but you're pushing yourself into the upper atmosphere, right? If you have, you can have solid fuel that combine to create fire as an explosive. You know what I mean? Oh, man, wouldn't the ox like the lack of oxygen draw it out faster though? I'm sure you could still get it. Wouldn't a burn persist if that's what you mean. Yeah, that's true. You could have an explosion in space, which yeah. could, depending on the reaction, have fire. But you're right. Space is a vacuum, so there's nothing to really burn. Be sucked up real quick. But yeah, so the fire is very interesting. It's very unique to this sighting. Now, the craft was also lined with small blue lights around the center rim, with flames coming out from the bottom, flaring outward, creating an effect of a large cone. This is where my uh, my degree in engineering comes in, because it sounds like an overexpanded rocket nozzle which means nothing to you. But when you see, for example, old footage of the Saturn V way up in the upper atmosphere, mm -hmm. you know how the fire behind the rocket gets super wide? Oh, yeah. Like, it's way wider than the rocket? That's because the pressure coming out of the nozzle of the rocket is much greater than the ambient pressure of the atmosphere around it, so the fire spreads out. It's very inefficient, but... Again, I'm geeking out a little bit because if this is a real craft and this is a real method of propulsion, let me just say it's not typical to see an overexpanded nozzle at sea level. Mm. Unless perhaps this is an alien craft originating from another planet that has a higher atmospheric pressure, in which case their designs might be prepared yeah. for a thicker, heavier atmosphere. Yeah. I'm trying to derive function out of this fire. No, you know what I mean? Is, which is awesome because... I don't know, a diamond doesn't seem very aerodynamic. Once you're in space, I guess it doesn't really like, matter. Yeah, true. Once your butt's up in space, it's like you just go. Yeah, If you, pretty much. Yeah, you get some energy behind you and you just keep floating. Not very coy with this thing. No. They're kind of floating around, shiny silver, very reflective. I do like that it's still silver. Fire. It's fire. It's always silver. Why always is it silver? Me I guess a lot of metals are silver looking. True. Yeah. Yeah, the actual material itself, the mineral itself. Mm -hmm. Would it be easier to go transparent from silver to clear? Are you talking about cloaking? Yeah. Ooh, it depends on what you're doing to cloak. Are you bending light around you? That's true. Agnostic to the material. Hmm. See, this is where I love to geek out. Like, how this can we make reality out of this observation? Like, using Occam's razor to say, is this a real design for a real craft or... Is this something else? Anyway. Because, because it always could just be the other, you know, the other hand of it all is, could be military. Absolutely. Could mm. be some sort of odd test craft, right? Yep. But again, it brings me back to that overexpanded nozzle. Anyway, let's talk about the individuals now. So that's the craft that they saw. Started out as a light, got closer, and upon being closer, they saw all these details. Betty and Vicky themselves got out of the car to take a closer look, leaving seven-year-old Kobe back in the car, obviously very scared. He started crying. They tried to calm him down, but they went outside to take a look. The heat was supposedly so hot that they felt their faces were burning and had to use their clothes as a barrier between themselves, their hands, and the car handle when trying to get back in. 
Oh, geez. Now back inside the car, finally in, Betty tried to start the car, but it was supposedly dead at that point. Eventually, she was able to start the car after several attempts, and she blasted the AC to cool the car down, and she began following the object as it traveled away from them down the road. Very brave. Very brave, especially given how hot this thing was to the point where you couldn't get back in the car easily. In fact, it was so hot that Vicky, out of fear, yelling at Betty to say, stop the car, stop following the thing, she hits her hand on the dash of the car, and it's softened. It's almost melted to the point where her hand makes a handprint in the dash, leaving fingerprints and an impression. See, that's something we can check. That's also something we can look at. Supposedly. Oh, come on! So that's the thing, and, and we'll dive more into that. But that is part of this story, is that it was so hot that her hand melted into the dash. Obviously, um, I think it just was enough that it was tacky, that it left an right. imprint. It was melt. more of like a little cushion. Right. It didn't like imprint, didn't imprint. onto her hand and burn her. Yeah. However, the frustrating thing, and I'm, I'm going to jump to the to the chase on this one. There's no photograph of this impression. This would lend so much credence to the story. It really would. But unfortunately, we don't have that physical, that tangible evidence that you like. Damn. Yeah. I thought that was like, bang, boom, right there. Mm-hmm. Well, if it got that hot, like... They are saying they're getting burned, right? They are saying they're experiencing these things, and we still have the medical conditions to come through. So yeah, we'll talk about true. that. that's true. And if it's getting that hot, like, wouldn't certain wires and tubes in the actual engine show some deterioration? Ooh. Or maybe even, like, I guess not the tires, right? They need to get... They probably pretty, get soft, but nothing yeah, else. yeah. It's a good point because, I mean, what about the electrical wires that may or may not be around the area? What about the trees in the nearby area? Because obviously we're flying over the treetops right now. What time of day is this? This is is at 9 p.m. 9 p.m.? Okay. Hmm. So the sighting gets stranger. They continue to watch the object, keeping a little bit of a distance, but they are trying to follow it where they can. They watched in awe as the object ascended over the treetops and rose higher into the sky. Now, this is where this particular sighting only continues to get more unique because Cash and Landrum both reported that a group of 23 helicopters appeared from all directions, positioning themselves in a tight formation around the aircraft, essentially surrounding this thing. Now, what would make this spectacle even more amazing is the fact that each of these helicopters were supposedly the Boeing CH-47 Chinook. You might recognize that helicopter as the one with the two sets of rotors, the one in the back being higher up and the one in the front. Creates more lift. Usually they they carry Humvees and other vehicles like that. But now with the road clear, Cash continued down the road, claiming to see glimpses once again of the object with the helicopters chasing it, surrounding it, and retreating into the distance, almost like they were guiding it away. What did you even say at that point, right? You don't just go pull over. (laughs) Right. Well, apparently you slam your hand on the dash until it sinks in and then go, ah, and then you follow it anyway. But... Yeah, but they guess, were they were just awestruck. They were just not. They were just gobsmacked. I don't know what to say about this. This is wild. You I, know? I I don't know if I would follow it. Oh right? yeah. I, I mean, feel like I, my morbid curiosity would over overrule any sort of self preservation. I think I'm personally. I'll be, I'll be honest, uh-huh. and I want to hear your answer. Yeah. I think I'm more willing to follow a UFO than like a ghost. Really. Or a uh, cryptid. Yeah. Yeah. And I know mm. it's probably worse because at that point I would assume there's high intelligence there. Yeah, right. Um, but I guess I'm more afraid of like 
the ferocity of like yes you know what i mean i agree with like that. an animal i wouldn't i wouldn't follow pretty much any cryptid spirit because they could all tear me limb from limb mm-hmm. i would consider following a ufo except for squonk jillian i see you nodding i would I follow squonk would you follow squonk or would you I force would. it to melt from I, a my, distance from, from a, a distance, distance. to the ends of the respectful. earth but i feel like i would run away from the squonk because i don't want to kill it right or body swap <laughs> That's my own uh, fan love. <laughs> um, I don't know. A, a ghost, it depends. If the thing like beckoned me on, you no know, way. this could be like the librarian ghost in Ghostbusters that I keep referencing. I'd be like, hey, mama, what's going on over what's here? And then she goes, ah! and I go, exactly. oh my God, you got no, me. That's why you don't do that. Um, I don't know. I think it depends on the type of the ghost. Mm-hmm. Definitely no on cryptids. Aliens, I'm running them down. I gotta okay. see where they're going. Okay. Because I feel like it was, if it was an alien, mm-hmm. If they wanted to get you, they'd get you. Right. You're donezo. Yeah. So why not chase it down? Same with a ghost. Not so much a cryptid. You can avoid True. those. Yeah. But let me just tell you this. The whole encounter that they experienced, all of this took place within a tight 20. 20 minutes in and out. Wild experience after dinner. Maybe they're having some pre-food coma daydreams. Right. What was in that food? Yeah. But regardless, you know, and as I mentioned earlier, we talked about it a little bit. All three of them claimed that the strange object gave them each health problems that followed the event. So let's talk about that. When Betty arrived home, she began developing blisters on her face, neck, and back. She also experienced hair loss, yet was unable to reach her doctor due to it being late at night. We're going to pin that idea, that thought, because it's going to come back a little bit here. This is in the 80s? This is in 1980, literally the end of the year. December 29th, 1980. Where are the Polaroids? Where are the the photos? I would take photos of that. Right. Well, see, I'm bearing the lead a little bit again because we're going to get into it and the theories. But I think there's a reason why she specifies that she was unable to reach her doctor. As truthful as that probably is, doctor's got to sleep. It is worth like pointing out Probably that like she. An ER. It's like leaving the ex- exactly 1980. I, I can only see one doctor. Or, no, no, no. Uh, please, ma'am. Doctor's available. And uh, I don't know that doctor. That's a stranger. Right, ma'am. You need assistance. No, no, no. My doctor. If I, if it's life or death, go <laughs> see a doctor. Exactly. Here's the thing. Blisters start going. I go. Oh, this is this is gonna be annoying. This mm-hmm. is bad. I don't know what's going on. My hair's going. I'm like mm-hmm. too soon. Too soon. I'm not there yet. Right. Okay? I wasn't ready. Take me. To, you know, I'm driving past the doctor to a dermatologist. <laughs> Speeds by the UFO, hair flying out, going yeah. straight to a derma. Um, yeah. So, so she has this happening. And she mentions in recounting the story that her doctor wasn't available. And there's, you know, you could be cynical, but we're, I just want to pin that. This isn't like way back when, hundreds mm-hmm. of years ago. And we have one doctor in the town. Right. But that very same night, Colby, remember the younger one, woke up Vicky and told her that he was feeling sick. She goes to his room and discovers that he has a fever and had thrown up all over his bed, so she cleaned him up and went back to bed herself. Now, in the next morning, all three of them had symptoms ranging from blisters to nausea, headaches, diarrhea, loss of hair, burning and redness of the eyes, as well as a sunburn. So they had all these different symptoms kind of throughout the three of them. There's the butt. The butt? Yeah. 
this happened, but no, you're talking oh. about like what do you think with aliens? Got like, sunburn anus. Oh god, I was, okay. I, I was like lights and butt. Listen, their keisters seem <laughs> per, in perfect condition. Well, I mean, stuff. I mean, doesn't matter in or out. Like stuff's coming. Is something right happening? Either with the way, butt. aliens mess with your physiology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess you know what diarrhea. You're true. You're okay. Fair enough. <laughs> But Betty was most affected by the illness, and on January 3rd, a couple days later, in 1981, she was admitted to the Houston hospital after her symptoms left her unable to walk and nearly unconscious. Vicky and Colby shared some similar symptoms on a less severe level. So she goes to the hospital, and she stays there for 12 days. And she finally leaves. She was released from the hospital, despite her condition not really improving all that much, only to later return to the hospital for yet another 15 days. So I'm sure like somewhere, I'm, I'm really interested to get to um, when we do get to the theories because I'm sure there's some kind of like medical explanation. Mm-hmm. But I'm so curious as to what that medical explanation is because it's not just one individual that's sharing all right. those symptoms. It's three people. Right. And so what the hell exists that, that like like a doctor could explain where this would be something that affects multiple people that were in an area. That's absolutely where the investigation kind of begins on that front. Okay. Because right now we're still kind of exploring their story, the incident at hand, but I, I love where your mind is at. Now, a few years later, there was a documentary in 1985 called UFOs, What's Going On, in which Betty claimed that she was treated for cancer after being exposed to the apparently radioactive object that she saw in the sky. Vicky suffered from cataracts, and Betty then later said she was diagnosed with breast cancer. A radiologist oh, from the mutual UFO... Yeah, could be high radiation. Could be. And they definitely explore that, too. So there was a radiologist from the Mutual UFO Network who studied their medical records and claimed that there is, quote, strong evidence that these patients have suffered secondary damage to ionizing radiation. It is also possible that there was an infrared component as well, end quote. Infrared being heat. Yeah. But said in a very fancy way that almost went over my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, Cash and the Landrums continued to have health problems to this very day. Uh, But kind of going back a step, Cash's physician told the Houston Post back in September of 1991 that her condition was a textbook case of radiation poisoning, comparable to being three to five miles from the epicenter of Hiroshima. Whoa. Yeah. Now, before I, I, I'm kind of jumping, I I do this a lot. I jump the gun, but here's the thing. My gut instinct stands out to say, if you had the same level of radiation poisoning as somebody who would be three to five miles from the epicenter of such a devastating explosion, you would probably have radiation poisoning to a lethal degree. And they didn't die to the lethal, or excuse me, and they didn't die to the radiation poisoning. They're just experiencing it in some of its ways. Wouldn't there be traces of radiation like on the street on absolutely the vehicle, there would be. like there would absolutely there would be now i'm going to read a few more facts here but that is one of the first things we're going to touch on in okay. the investigation here in just a second i'm intrigued yeah because they because they absolutely go to the site and test not only them not only the car but the area but with regard to this Sighting, before we move on from the story, there was a Dayton police officer, Detective Lamar Walker, who claimed he and his wife saw 12 Chinook-like helicopters around the same area and the same time as the Cash Landrum reporting, though they did not report seeing the large diamond-shaped object, and it's worth mentioning that they reported almost half 
of the helicopters. So this lends some credence to the idea that there was a right. mass influx of helicopters in the area, but not maybe upwards of 23, and it doesn't really validate so far the diamond-shaped object, the UFO part. Yeah, but also, to me, it lends some support in the sense that, like, the choppers are out there. They're not going to be out right. there for no reason. Right. Whether it was a military thing or an extraterrestrial thing, they're, the choppers are up and out. Right. There's something going on. Now, is it of this earth or not? Or is it just a drill? Is it just a drill? Is it top secret? Can we get some answers? Maybe from the pilots, from the Air Force, whatever. It's good questions. Now, let's talk about the investigation. And I do want to jump exactly to the question that you had. So Landrum got in touch with NASA and was immediately connected with aerospace engineer John Schusler of the Mutual UFO Network. And he was brought onto the case to investigate the incident. Now, Schusler inspected Betty's car in early 1981, which would have been very near the incident, just a few months at most after. He used a Geiger counter to check for radioactivity, but found none. He then went to the site of the incident to check for radioactivity there, and again, found no abnormal radiation. Just natural Earth-bound radiation that you might find periodically. But that's what's interesting here. We start off the investigation with a bang, no abnormal amounts of radiation. Landrum also reached out to U.S. Senators Lloyd Bankston and John Tower, who referred her to the U.S. Air Force Base to file a complaint. Because, first of all, we've got some aircraft in the area. Second of all, it does seem like some U.S. government activity was happening whether it be the Air Force, Navy, or what have you. So, hey, go file a complaint officially with them. Maybe we can figure this whole thing out. What at the is top. that going to do? Probably nothing, but at least it creates a lot of nice paperwork for the bureaucracy, right? Yeah. Who doesn't like a couple pieces of paperwork, right, Jillian? We love papers. Yeah, we love papers. She made us stickers. We love yeah. I'm holding stickers. it up. Listen. Yeah. Good cardstock on yeah, the sticker. I put one on my wallet. It's a little alien blob and... It's got X's for eyes, so I think it's dead. Oh, she gave you the dead one, yeah. But when interviewed at the Air Force Base, they were encouraged to get a lawyer and try to get financial compensation for their medical bills. This is where a whole lot of theories come spiraling out about money and lies and all of that. Yep. But we'll address that in the theories. I don't want to get too far away from the investigation itself. So the idea of being financially compensated, you know, looking back, wouldn't put their minds at rest, given everything that they'd seen. So they insisted on knowing who or perhaps what was responsible for their injuries. Of course, the three pursued their case through the courts, seeking not only the answers, but also the compensation. Now, we talked about Schusler found no signs of abnormal radiation in the area or on the car. But astronomer Alan Hendry of Center of UFO Studies also briefly investigated the case. The Cash Landrum sighting of Chinook helicopters led witnesses to believe at least one branch of the United States Armed Forces witnessed the object. If they were not following it or escorting it, they must have witnessed it because of their heavy activity in the area. In 1982, Lieutenant Colonel George Sarin of the Department of the Army Inspector General began the only formal governmental investigation into this UFO encounter and the origin of the reported helicopters. So he, as well as other investigators, didn't find any evidence providing that the helicopters belonged to the U.S. Armed Forces. So pause real quick. Now we suddenly have a question on what? if they even were present, these helicopters. What? If they weren't, what was the police officer and his spouse seeing? 
And if they and if they were there, but they didn't belong to the U.S. Air Force, who the hell did they belong exactly. to? Exactly. What is oh going on? Oh my goodness! Now we got Men in Black. Now we got Men in Black. Uh, See, the thing is, like, are they obfuscating the truth because of top secret sort of completely this and that? could be, completely could be, mm-hmm. or is it just easier to say, uh, you didn't see anything? Move on. You know. We'll never know because there's probably just so much red tape. Mm-hmm. Dang. Well, Saren stated that, in his words, Ms. Landrum and Ms. Cash, the policeman, and his wife were all credible witnesses, that there was no perception that anyone was trying to exaggerate the truth. This is going to be a common trend with this particular investigation and this incident in general, that no one really questions whether their experience was valid or not. No one's saying that they're lying about their experience. While lies may come out in the theory section, no one questions the foundation of this incident. They believe that they experienced something. It's just a matter of everything else. No one's questioning. We're talking about like the government, medical professionals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everyone's thinking that these are pretty honest, well to do, uh, well-meaning yeah. witnesses, right? Yeah, and I can see how, like, some people will think that this is for money and stuff like that, but, I mean, when three people are infected or have radiation poisoning, it seems like, or have been contaminated by high doses of radiation, mm-hmm. it's not like one person was, right? And it's like, oh, okay, then they made up the story. Right, but then you have, you have the issue that there's no radiation in the area, and then that kind of gets addressed, but then... More medical history starts coming yeah. out about. I mean, these but these medical symptoms have been, I'm assuming, documented and verified, right? Like you can't just go and be like, "I had blisters and warts, and my hair's falling out." Now it's not. That might be the most frustrating part about this case. Come on, we don't even have that. It just went away. Exactly. Or? Why aren't these documented? Oh, right. God. Truth or not, made up or otherwise. This is the like, '80s. Well, start of the right. '80s, like. I'd, I'd like to think that my there. first dentist appointment in the 90s has some sort of track record, but maybe not. Maybe yes. maybe it's like you came in, whatever. You were sick last year. You're not now. Cool. Bye. Maybe they were like, hey, why why do we need all this paperwork? It's frustrating. They hate paperwork over there <laughs> in the medical facilities. <laughs> but, you know, despite the fact that a lot of people came forward saying that these witnesses, you know, weren't trying to exaggerate the truth, that they were credible. There were obviously many people that disagreed. For example, you have journalist and UFO skeptic Philip J. Class, who doubted their story due to the lack of radioactivity found during Schuessler's investigation. Class also notes that Schuessler provided no medical data on Betty, Vicky, or Colby's health prior to the UFO incident, so their symptoms could simply be unrelated, pre-existing, as it were. But for three of them to experience that... The question is... That is my thing there. Is it placebo? Is it the same kind of idea that we discussed in the Mothman episode where there is a shared sense of burden or injury or illness or psychosis of or any of these pieces, right? Because when something dramatic happens, sometimes whether it does or doesn't happen, that can be impressionable. If somebody with you believes that that event happened alongside you, that they might start mirroring whatever you might be going through. True, but something this... Phantom symptoms. But something this physical on this scale, I mean, even if it wasn't aliens, right? Mm-hmm. Or some kind of government thing, I feel like just for the medical records, right. this would want to be studied. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. And that's why I'm so frustrated, because, like, where's the photo of this hot car with the handprint? Where are these medical records, if not photographs, of the individuals with these symptoms, right? Like, pre-existing or not, 
this is some pretty interesting timing to be saying all of these things, especially if people are believing their stories, then I have to tend to believe that they've got these symptoms going on. I can't yeah. peer back into 1980, but it's, it's, it's one of those frustrating truths when we start talking about unsolved mysteries that it's just, uh, I, I think they're unsolved for a reason. It's just that lack right. of, you know, tangible stuff that maintains itself to this day. There are some other UFO researchers, however, that concluded that perhaps high-energy ionizing radiation might be the cause of the radioactivity, but it does not cause radioactivity in objects that would be measured by, for example, a Geiger counter, like Schussler measured with, and would not have left any signs or traces. So what they're saying, these other UFO researchers are saying, this particular form of radioactive ionization would pummel them with radioactive ions, create these illnesses, medical conditions, and then disappear almost without a trace. Right. It would only leave the impression on biological, I but guess, I don't, like... I just don't know enough about radiation Same. to dispute it. I mean, we are personally. amateurs. We are just, hey, we're just here to converse and talk about the subjects that people might not know about. Man, if... Scoop up what we can if find. Before Red Web, if you were like, hey, here's a time machine. Yeah. What do you want to do? And I'd have to sit there and think about it for a second, right? Mm -hmm. I'd be like, uh, you got one use. Right. Where are you going? But now, my God, the list is long. Right. It's, I want to go back and take a photo of a car dash. What? Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Uh, I need to know. It'll. It'll. What like, if you <laughs> going back in time was this craft? Step into our transformer. Yeah. Excuse me. I don't know why I went with like really, really crappy Arnold Schwarzenegger and then said like, transformer. Is it Arnold in with the Autobots? It was, like, a, it was like a weird Werner Herzog sort of situation. <laughs> Step into our time traveling machine and you will go back in time I would, to become a diamond. I would wait until that time machine. It'd be like McDonald's. It'd be like, uh, I'd wait until there was like a million served uh -huh. and I'd use it. Oh, so you could be the millionth customer? I just don't want to. I just want to know if it's safe. Uh, <laughs> I, I, sorry, I was stuck on McDonald's for a no, second. No, for sure. Like, how does it break? Yeah. Uh, what symptoms people have after that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, but I mean, I've got we got a laundry list now. We go back and um, check out cryptid sightings and things like Dyatlov Pass, right? Mm -hmm. Or just like these big, huge myths. Everything. Dang, that'd be really interesting. Do you solve them in the moment as a as a crisis of morality and ethics, or do you pocket the solution? come back to the future and unload it on a podcast and say, I've got the deets. But here's I could the, have saved them, but, here's but the I, I wanted the ad impressions. We, <laughs> right, exactly. Um, how would you even, it, like, if you didn't have the ability to mm -hmm. take any photos or bring any evidence, it's just pure sight. Mm-hmm. I feel like most mysteries you wouldn't be able to do anything with. And that's why, I mean, that's what we're working on here. Yeah. It's mostly sight. It's just sight. And trust. And you would so, just become part of the game of telephone. It, and then 1, half 000, the people in the world would just be like, you're bonkers. Thousand percent. Yeah. Right? It, we, we wouldn't be, we as the individuals that saw it and experienced it would be better off. No one else would be. Right. It'd be like, ah, don't <laughs> worry. it would end. It's solved in here. Gestures to heart and settles down. Like yeah. that, that would be it. Yeah. Crazy. 
Well, hello there, Task Force. You know that time. The time that I, Trevor, that's my name, get to talk directly to you about the housekeeping going on here at Red Web behind the scenes. I did already say uh, at the top of the show, but I do want to reiterate, we have our Pride merch to support our lovely Task Force members of the LGBTQIA plus community. Thank you all for listening. And if you want to represent and also share some love with our friends over at Out Youth, you can uh, go to store.roosterteeth.com, pick up some Red Web merch, especially, especially that Pride merch because proceeds from that pride stuff we got the pin and we got the shirt will go to support out youth a local lgbtqia plus friendly community here in austin and i encourage you to check them out on twitter and take a look at their whole organization but yeah they're lovely people over there and uh, and so it is representing sharing some love with the task force while also doing some good and that merch is there and available for you and it doesn't seem like any of it's sold out just yet it might be print on demand which means it can't sell out either way it is there and ready for you. Uh, but with that said, I want to talk about some of today's fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Do you want a podcast that dives into the details behind conspiracy theories, cults, and scams, or secret worlds like the mafia or North Korea? Or what about money laundering? You can get all that and more on The Jordan Harbinger Show. It covers a wide range of topics through weekly interviews with guests that offer an inside look at worlds most of us don't really get to see. Check out his episode on combating cult mind control or his episode on Javier Pena and Steve Murphy on taking down Pablo Escobar. Very interesting stuff there. The show also covers technology stories like deep fakes, which are becoming ever more present in today's world. You see that even on social media now. Uh, they talk about telepathy and preventing things like a superbug epidemic, all things that are very relevant to this day and age. So check out jordanharbinger.com start for some episode recommendations on where you can get in on his show. Or you can simply search The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R. And that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by ShipStation. If you run an e-commerce business, you probably feel like it's about time that people stop treating e-commerce giants better just because they're bigger. And you're probably right. And that's why ShipStation is here to give e-commerce sellers of all different sizes access to the same deeply discounted rates that usually are reserved for companies that are within the Fortune 500. ShipStation works with over 300 platforms such as Amazon, eBay, Etsy, and many more to automate processes like fulfillment and tracking so you can save time managing orders. Don't let the big guys keep all the good discounts to themselves. Sign up using promo code REDWEB for a free 60-day trial today at ShipStation.com and start saving with every shipment. That's two whole months of discounted shipping absolutely free. Just go to ShipStation.com, click on the microphone in the top of the page, and type in Red Web, ShipStation, make ship happen. Oh, I love that. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Upstart. Saying goodbye to high-interest credit card debt is one of the first steps towards financial independence, but the interest, month after month, can feel like you're on a never-ending hamster wheel, and that's where Upstart comes in. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high-interest debt all online with simple and easy-to-understand payment terms. 
Upstart has helped over 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses. Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Don't wait and check your rate today at upstart.com slash redweb. That's upstart.com slash redweb to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on a few factors such as your credit, income, and certain other information that you will provide during your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash redweb. And as always, finances are important, so do your research and do your due diligence. And with that said, let's dive right back into the mystery. Well, let's talk about that ionizing radiation a little bit more because researcher and physicist Brad Sparks claims that it was impossible that it would be ionizing radiation that caused their injuries due to how quickly the victims started to experience symptoms. And that makes sense because... When looking at it, if you experience that amount, that massive amount of radiation to, in order to get those symptoms that fast, too, it would have to be so high that you would be dead within days. That's just the unfortunate reality about That's radiation true too. sickness. And you said that they're, um, some of them are still alive? Is the kid still alive? Uh, I believe the grandmother probably isn't alive just due to age, but Jillian, yeah. You did mention that some people were alive. Um, mm-hmm. That they're still feeling health concerns yeah they're still suffering from health concerns i think only the kid is alive just the boy just the boy who would have been well he was seven at the time so throw on another 40 years this boy's pushing 47 48 49 40 50 he's about 50 not that old math math for me is just counting until someone says that's the right number (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean and he's not trying to knock to be to be fair he's not trying to knock on their health conditions he's not saying hey you're not experiencing health condition he's saying You might be experiencing those, and that sucks, and that's fair. But what you're probably, what's probably not going on here is that those health conditions stemming from the UFO sighting. That's what he's trying to focus on. And that's a common trend that a lot of people say, hey, we're not doubting what you're experiencing, and nor are we doubting that you even saw something. We're just saying that it's unlikely that the two are attached, that these are probably pre-existing or badly timed medical conditions. Right. The diarrhea wasn't radiation from aliens. It was the gas station hot dogs. Right. I mean, they just had dinner. Maybe it's food poisoning. I I actually say that really, really silly like, but truly, it could be food poisoning, right? Could be. Uh, Especially with the nausea, the throwing up. Don't give me whatever it was Mm -hmm. that made them. Julian, where did they go? And tell me it was Applebee's. It was a Mel's drive in. Okay, right after leaving Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Hmm. That's the real mystery. Who was serving those eggs and why were they raw? Yeah. Was serving it? raw eggs to a child. Green eggs and ham. Oh. They said we use food coloring. Nature's food coloring. Mm. Mold. So ultimately, a group of investigators allegedly looked at this car and they said that they, yes, saw the handprint as proof of their account being true. Someone take a damn photo. But if you're a group of investigators, why'd you not take a photograph? Because Come on. I rest the investigation with the sad fact I gotta that just there say, was no photo taken yeah. of that handprint. I can't believe that there was one. If you have, it's like whether or not you want to, whatever side of the fence you're on, you mm-hmm. want to disprove them or you uh, are a believer. Right. You take the photo. You right. benefit from it. Task force out there, you better be snapping photos of everything you see. Just know, task force, all right, mm-hmm. you're locked in, okay? And part of your training is knowing the quickest route to bring up the phone feature 
on your Android or iPhone. If you don't know that, mm -hmm. then how, somehow... Or your Flip Razor Motorola. Yeah, whatever it is. Yep. You need to know the shortcut buttons to get right on through. And if for some reason you don't know that, then uh, you, you got past us um, somehow. <laughs> you <laughs> slipped we, through the cracks. we have to reevaluate yeah, everybody. Yeah. Resubmit your application. <laughs> we'll need to go back over that. Put on there and highlight it. Uh, don't know how to operate my phone <laughs> yeah. camera. And just be honest we'll with us. We'll just have to redo some mandatory training. And... <laughs> years of training. <laughs> um, but ultimately, this case remained open for several years until it was finally dismissed and closed August 21st of 1986. And this was simply based on the fact that the helicopters could not be confirmed or denied. And that whole piece could be due to the fact that maybe this was a classified government exercise or what have you. But either way, there's no hard evidence of a flying diamond-shaped object in the sky. And so they closed this investigation. I think that's the thing I hate the most about like all the like UFO or alien sightings is mm -hmm. that it is way more likely that it's just like some kind of military yeah. exercise now, or experiment. Part of me goes like, uh, that's frustrating because, you know, like part of me wants like a little alien activity, a little alien action, you know. But the other part of me kind of gets excited about that too because it's technology, at least though. the object still might be there. True. We might be experimenting with like really dope things. And a handful of times it's technology that will eventually trickle down to consumer right. product. Right, like Velcro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's serious. <laughs> but But it's, no, truly, but like, but yeah, I don't know. Like, so part of me wants to stay optimistic and hopeful and positive and be like, yeah, sure. You can get all heebie-jeebied out by the government or aliens doing nefarious, sinister stuff. But I'm also kind of like, I don't know. There's a flying diamond in the sky that might be able to, like, go invisible or fly supersonic through space or something. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm all for the military and humans pushing technology. Now, don't push it to the point where, like, in the core, you know, you you stop the core's rotation of the earth. And oh, right. Well, we then, by the, that point, we'll have Mars all terraformed. Booted up and everything. Hmm. We'll just burn this planet for fun. My concerns are more with the non-buff scientists hmm? that are doing illegal experiments, creating possibly biological weapons or like that stuff is scary. It's like, stop. Oh, yeah. Stop trying to advance that. No, no, no. Why are you? Stop experimenting. Mm, don't spend stop your time on to, that. You know, someone somewhere trying uh, to bring yep. some corpse like back or, or you yeah, know what I mean? No, there's de that's definitely a that's thing. Definitely Head going on somewhere. And, like, corpse resuscitation. Like, don't do that. Like, mm, All right. Not interested. Not interested in this Lazarinthian experiments, you know, mm -hmm. that you don't know what you're going to bring back. No scientists. They're not the buff ones. No, 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 no. <laughs> Scrawny scientists. They've got uh, uh, buff confidence. They've got uh, buff <laughs> egos. That's about it. That's but, the um, scarier part. But with that said, the theories on this one get wild. We're going to start right out of the gate with a hot one. Okay. Fresh off the presses. Hot like their car? Yes. Maybe. <laughs> but here's the thing. like the, the theories continue the trend of being a totally unique, totally interesting UFO story, and a lot of these theories are unlike that of others. So let's start off. The first theory we're going to discuss in no particular order is that the UFO that they saw was actually the second coming of Jesus Christ. What? I'm sorry, what? The UFO, the big old diamond, that's Jesus. 
Let's dive in. Very, very shallow theory, but I want to discuss. Vicki Landrum was a Christian, and upon first looking at what she saw, she believed the light. And this is before she saw the diamond and got out and really got close. This is when she saw the strange light that was heating up the car. And she thought it was a result of Jesus Christ returning to earth for his people. To the point where Colby started to cry and get very upset. In fact, he was screaming in the car. She turns to him to calm him down and says, that's Jesus. He will not hurt you. And that's... Oh, hell no. <laughs> that's that very quick theory. No way! Did You could literally uh-huh. look like what whatever people depiction the Jesus common, to look. The it, common yes. like look for Jesus. Yeah. The Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, that's a lie. Right. That's That ain't him. That's some kind of... Just kinda, like that ain't Elvis. That's... Right, exactly. That's some shapeshifter or some <laughs> robot. You're with, trying to get my trust. Jesus skin. And this is this is all a ruse. I wouldn't. A I, skinwalker. I, oh God. I bad. would. I would not start walking towards fake Jesus. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> especially if he came with uh, fire and smoke. I, I feel yeah, why, like what, that's a the wrong. Why theme. does Jesus have fire? That's a, it's a bit of an interesting thing. But now this is just Trevor speaking. This isn't part of the theory. What is interesting, though, if you want to open your mind to this theory a little bit more, is and this is where I'm geeking out a little bit. The traditional depiction of what an angel looks like is not like a cherub, a baby with a diaper and wings or a beautiful (laughs) individual (laughs) with these long flowy kind of bird-like wings. No, the traditional, the true biblical depiction of an angel is actually quite terrifying. It is like a bunch of concentric rings that have nothing but eyes all over them with several pairs of wings. Some of them have fire in them, so that's interesting to note. I did not know that. There is a depiction that is only wings that has one big eye, I think, behind it. I'm not doing these depictions justice. I know there's some people out there at Task Force are going to know these like the back of their hand. This is just off the top of my head, but there is one depiction where it's a bunch of wings essentially doing whatever they can to block the rest of the body. So all you see are a bunch of wings hiding whatever the physical entity looks like kind of like that yeah jillian's holding up one of the images but there are a handful of different looks like that that are very odd very alien and very strange to us maybe they present maybe that's their true form and they can present in other ways but if you take that image and then you start to apply that fire and unique imagery to this craft it could stand to reason that somebody believing in this faith could be like, hey, maybe this is right. something like now that. Now you're you know? starting to make the fire make sense to right. someone mm-hmm. of this uh, of this faith. Because otherwise, said, I'd uh, be like, I disagree. The, the fire dead giveaway for Jesus' right. return. Right. right? He's not gonna put on a pyrotechnic show. <laughs> hey, as he returns. We don't know. Come on. He could be like David Copperfields. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or David and now Blaine's. presenting the return of <laughs> Jesus Christ. Do you think? He, yeah. Do you think you would have somebody to like introduce him to kind of talk him up? Kind of like at the end of Eternals, you got that little goat guy. It comes through, Pan no. comes through, and he's like, yeah, hey, yeah. introducing <laughs> brother of Thanos. Anyway. I doubt it. I'd be really concerned if Jesus come, is coming like back to the human race, to the people, mm-hmm. um, and has thought about showmanship in any way, shape, or form. Right. That would be a concerning set of priorities. Yeah, certainly. exactly. <laughs> but... Moving on to the next theory, though, we have UFO skeptic Stuart Campbell, who suggested that witnesses may have observed simply a mirage of cannabis 
I might not be saying that correctly, and I want to correct myself. I'm not talking about the drug, cannabis. Okay, yeah. they're not getting out there with a child of seven blazed. years old, blazing up, having visions. Cannabis or canopus is a star in the night sky. In fact, it's the second brightest star in the night sky, and it can be found in the Carina constellation. And of course, you know what a mirage is, but what could have happened here is that the heat from the road could have created heat waves, right? You ever see in movies when like a car is driving up and over the hills, or maybe you've seen this yourself where the road is hot and yeah. right above the surface of the road, you see like ripply, blurry, silvery air. Well, that's simply light refracting through the hot air due to the change in density. And from that, they're saying perhaps this very, very bright star in the sky mm. might have shone through this mirage and created some sort of bigger than it is presence, right? You're seeing the light kind of rippling across the road. However, that's wild, very wild, especially for everything else. A part of the story doesn't really get addressed. It's not up. You know, I saw Dante's peak and when he got that high, the tires <laughs> popped, right? They started melting, popping and melting. But here's the thing. Uh, it's very unlikely that this theory, as grounded in science as it might be, uh, and as interesting as it might be, I don't think that this would be enough, let alone this true fact here. Because when looking back, you can trace the night sky back to the date, back to the time, and this particular star and any other bright star that might have caused this was not visible that night. Yes, the star was actually laid up exactly with the road. Canopus was lined up with the road but it was 26 degrees below the horizon, i.e. entirely invisible to them at the time. So unlikely that it was the one yeah. causing this. Now these next two theories kind of go hand in hand, but I'll start with this first one. The third theory we're gonna discuss is that it was perhaps a hoax where their medical conditions were pre-existing, etc. So Class, who I talked about earlier, was not the only one who questioned whether the three individuals suffered from health problems prior to their encounter. You have British UFOologist, which is a real thing, UFOologist, okay. Peter Brooksmith. He was asking the same thing, quote, what was the trio's state of health before their alleged encounter? In December of 2018, Brian Dunning investigated the case and found that Cash's doctor's notes found her hair loss to be the result of an autoimmune disease that you might have heard of called alopecia mm. areata, and that her other symptoms could have been caused by illness that started either just before or sometime before the incident, right? So simply enough, in 2018, very recently, we found that there were doctor's notes floating around that came to the surface records that we've been wanting this whole time what? that indicate some of her her symptoms actually existed prior to this whole thing is basically what they're saying what about is alopecia hereditary it's an autoimmune disease i would imagine thereby in being hereditary but i don't know i'm not a doctor so yeah. jillian do you know if that's um, inherited or if that's just something that it's unclear oh oh it's unclear yeah it says there's there seems to, there's environmental factors. So, okay. Very least, interesting. Other things say yes. National Alopecia Areata Foundation says yes. It plays a role. Okay, so genetics play a mm. role, but there's also environmental factors that can create yeah. this condition. Okay. Either way, though, I mean, it's interesting that these are the medical documentations that come up, that this was pre-existing, but not the stuff like the blisters and the the sunburn and everything that happened immediately thereafter. There's no documentation necessarily proving that part. So it's all interesting. And it does seem to start to lean my mind into the direction of maybe they saw something, maybe they experienced illness, 
but maybe they are completely separate items. For all three to get it, like that's that's the other thing. Well, he kind of breaks it down, saying that Cash had alopecia areata okay. uh, before the incident. He says that when it came to Landrum, uh, that she only developed cataract in one eye, and given her age, that perhaps it would perhaps be expected, uh, that it wouldn't be abnormal, that is. And then also, it seems to be that Landrum's story changed once Cash was hospitalized to the point where it seemed that she started to claim hair loss as well, but then never sought treatment for it. And there's also no photographs or medical records to show those symptoms oh, of man. her or Colby. So so you keep mentioning, and I, I didn't want to like burst your bubble, but you keep mentioning that the three of them had shared symptoms, but this is where it kind of starts to fall apart a little bit, yeah. unfortunately. It's like, like worse. I, w- I would take a group photo. Right. Right. Well, if you have something to prove or if you have something to point out and yeah. look into, I would document, document the hell exactly. out of it. But unfortunately, it seems that, Damn. you know, we can only go off anecdotal evidence here and that even still one big lie. But yeah, perhaps. Now, we'll dive more into this here in a second, but Schusler's book includes many doctor's notes indicating that he didn't find any damning evidence in his words uh, in terms of Cash's medical conditions to back up their story. Now, we must raise the question, and this is where kind of theory maybe 3.0 comes in. Were they just trying to get their medical bills covered? Was this something more sinister? Or was this just like inadvertent? So Betty claimed that she had spent over $10,000 in medical expenses. After Dunning's research, he made a pretty strong allegation on his podcast that, quote, it's completely plausible that Cash and Landrum wrongly but honestly placed the blame for their health problems onto whatever they saw, and then push the truth a little bit, trying to get the Air Force to pay for it. When you believe in your heart that the Air Force did something wrong that harmed you, you don't necessarily feel that it's wrong to exaggerate evidence. Like seeing the words Air Force on the side of the helicopters, adding on symptoms to people who didn't have them, even faking sunburn spots on your arm, as long as it's in pursuit of what you believe is a just settlement." End quote. Importantly, he's making a distinction between an ill-intended full-on lie for money and misplacing the blame of illness on odd events in the area. And this is, again, from uh, Dunning's research there. So basically building onto the idea that either they activated this incident to perhaps recoup some lost cost, perhaps they attributed to the worsening of their condition to this incident. It's hard to say. It really is. I feel like they spent more money because of it. Probably. I mean, she spent, what, 27 days total in two bouts at the hospital? Yeah. Not cheap, unfortunately. But that brings us to the last theory that we're going to discuss, and this is more recent. In 2020, UFOologist Dr. Stephen Greer... Oh, okay. Yeah. ...claimed in an interview with Valuetainment that the Cash Landrum incident was actually the Air Force attempting to fly an abandoned UFO. I'll let that sit with you for a okay. second. Okay. And that's why they chased it away. Because usually mm. in my mind, right? I like that you just ran with it. I'm surprised you didn't come jumping out going, well, hold on a second. Question marks are flying. Well, I mean, I, yeah, there we are. You cracked your mind open like a little peanut. Stop it. You're ready to absorb still, so no, many things. I'm still He's impressionable still now. Skeptical. <laughs> but... I thought that was like a very interesting note when you said they chased it away, right? Mm-hmm, In my mm-hmm. mind, if there was a UFO and the Air Force like responded to it, they wouldn't do anything but observe, right? right. You gotta get, you gotta. 
form like up the chain and get specialists and people out there because you don't want to because at that point you could you're chasing it away you could seem to be to appear to be the aggressor mm-hmm. and then who knows start some it's a super upscale some intergalactic war or something oh, like that God, right yeah like you just hover and observe and try to contain if anything starts to happen yeah so the fact that chase it away i mean i thought that was a very interesting note and yeah. i'm actually kind of happy it came to be something it's a very interesting theory and before i continue i know i said chased away or at least ushered away because they kind of surrounded this object but jillian i would love your take on that part do you do you feel like they chased the object away do you feel like they were just kind of investigating it as it flew away and they went with it like wait 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 for this theory not for this theory but like for the incident at large do do we know more about that oh i'm trying to find something about these helicopters but That's the thing. This case seems to have, like... This one seems to be... We got what we got, you know? Yeah. It's sparse. And what's your personal take? Do you think they were chasing down these aliens, or do you think that they were just kind of going, hey, what's this? Maybe chase it down, because what if they thought it was... A bogey? Something bad. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another thing, too, is throughout the 1900s, there's been incidents where they're like, maybe this is a top-secret project from insert enemy country here. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. That's a good point. Especially since there's fire spitting out the bottom. I mean, even then... Fire's not alien. It's a purely human invention. You hover, (laughs) you hover, you observe. Right. And then you shoot it down. Simple enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You just put a bunch of bullets in it and then see if it still moves. Um, I don't know. Like, again, like, you don't, even if it is from a different um, country. Yeah. We have no idea. Yeah. Well, let's talk about this particular theory because I think this is so unique to this particular case. I haven't really heard this theory anywhere ever before. So again, to reiterate, it is saying that the Air Force attempted to fly a crashed, abandoned UFO. So according to this theory, the government sources that kind of leaked this information said that four pilots were on board this aircraft at the time. They couldn't figure out how the extraterrestrial system worked, so instead they installed their own, quote, portable nuclear power plant in order to create propulsion and make it run. This then malfunctioned and then caused the fire and the radiation poisoning to spill out of the aircraft. Now, the one wrinkle I do want to say before moving on is that there were, again, still no signs of radiation in that area after the event. So the fact that they're still saying, no, 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 there was radiation and the fire was a source of this is interesting to me. But furthermore, with that whole lawsuit, you know, that the that the individuals pursued through the courts, I won't go back into that for the medical expenses, though, um, the Air Force was questioned during the lawsuit. And they said, in general, broad strokes, that they had no knowledge of this incident. Um, and Greer is maintaining that that is proof that this is either so classified that no regular Air Force member would know, or to me, maybe it just says this theory is debunked. I don't know. Maybe that's how classified it was. Just no one knew. Yeah. But I feel like you'd have some kind of uh, commander or general that's just, that is informed on some level of yeah. like, hey, your people might get a ping on the radar. Um, yeah, how would you don't worry about that it. buttoned up? Or would they just go, that's classified? Because that's just admitting to something happening. 
Yeah, I mean the fact that it's just like it's classified. It's like okay, well something happened then, because otherwise so can you lie like, under oath when something's classified? I don't know. That's an interesting question. I mean, I guess technically, or would you have to say it's not classified or it, that it is classified? Because then that's you draw so many implications. Right. I, I don't mean, know. This is so interesting to me. I mean, when push comes to shove, the government could just. Uh, who high. holds the government accountable? Right. Like, who's gonna who's gonna be like, ah, you you yeah. know? I mean, yeah. like, especially if it's just if it's coming so far up the chain, it's it's like right at that point, I would be like, just lie. Who cares? Like, right. We're the government. Like, we're in charge of. We're the ones that reinforce that. Yeah. So I guess the fact that the Air Force didn't mention this at all during court questioning almost has no bearing then on this particular theory. You could see it go either way. Yeah. But the last kind of piece of this is, you know, whether they were retrofitting an alien craft that had been abandoned or not, they could have simply just been testing out some unique brand new aircraft because that is very common. Yeah. And that is the source of many incidents. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about the Phoenix Lights. There have been, like, for example, there was the Barney and Betty Hill yeah. incident that we also covered. There's a lot of other incidents out there. A stealth craft they're trying to uh, test out. Yeah, and all of that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff kind of recently, in recent history, became declassified, right? Again, I don't think this might not be accurate, but just going off the top of my head, you got the, you know, B fifty two bomber, the B one and B two stealth aircraft. Those were all very recently declassified, like within my lifetime, as in like nineties or early two thousands, I think. Mm -hmm. Either way, these craft have been around for decades. And that's how long it took for them to be declassified. So whatever might have been going on here on this night, if it was an Air Force aircraft and it is to be declassified, we might not see that for another decade or two. It's just so weird that it's very that it has to be like that. It, it, it's very odd to me that things eventually get declassified. Right. But also at the same time, Usually it's when like they it's get the retired. government. So right. Yeah, I'm retired. And like the SR-71 Blackbird, super aircraft. Amazing. One of my favorites no longer in use yeah and then it was declassified yep but then again it's like i'm sure they get to say what's declassified what's not right mm-hmm. i mean ultimately they have the control yeah i mean just like you know copyright how that can gets kicked down the road periodically by disney yeah trying to maintain their copyright or whatever yeah uh the same thing happens with classified documents Things like the JFK assassination, things like the moon landing, things like UFO sightings. These are things that have come and then been delayed again. And the date approaches, a lot of the headlines come out, getting excited, it gets delayed again. And so that happens a lot. Um, But, I mean, a lot of UFO documents were declassified last June 2021. I'm assuming nothing came of it because I didn't... Not a whole lot. I didn't see... Right. Our worlds didn't change. Right, exactly. Jillian, I think they're trickle-feeding us aliens. It's only a matter of time before they come to just the conclusion. Just when we're ready. When we're ready. When we've just accepted that they're probably here. Mm-hmm. Are you yep. ready? No. Oh. When Jillian's ready, they'll let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I did find some helicopter stuff. Ooh, please. Ooh, okay. So, Lamar Walker, mm-hmm. one of the Dayton police officers, he said that the helicopters, they all had their ground search landing lights on. Oh. So, do you think maybe... He said that would have been ominous looking. They was definitely for sure looking for something. Okay. That's what he said. And then another that's theory eerie. is that yeah, they were like guiding it. Or... Oh. See, that's interesting because 
Lamar Walker, Detective Lamar Walker, was also the other person who said he saw helicopters. He saw 12 of them, almost half, but he didn't see the diamond object. Escorted. Another oh, theory is that they escorted. That they escorted. Thing. said, come along, little alien man, or or individual. Right. Let's go. Come along with us. Come with us. We've got questions. Let us show you our world. <laughs> We've got questions and tools. I get, maybe it's their own You know when you, a thing, friend right? comes over and you show them the house? Oh, yeah. You show the aliens. This is our Rhode Island and this is our Atlantic Ocean. And, and here's a cage. Get in it and, okay, and, this, and stay and there. And that's a cave. Collapse the cave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now, push the button. Hit the button. <laughs> they just teleport out. Done. Uh, I would be terrified of like, uh-oh, we messed up. <laughs> you, you don't want to let an alien out of your sight. Who knows what you, they could do? You, you don't, especially after you try to capture it. No, like if it's their own ship or aircraft, they're like testing it out, right? Yeah. Maybe they got to guide it. Like it's not working so good. Oh, True, like, maybe pieces fall like, off and they're searching for pieces. like, I can't read this alien radar. I don't know how it works. Help us. Okay, the landing strips this way. Come along, and then they kind of limp the diamond back home. True, this is wild. This is such an interesting theory because it's so unique. This whole story was so unique. I'm really happy we covered it. It this was. One. It's not what I expected. Yeah, you said aliens, UFOs. I'm like, okay, here mm -hmm. we go. Like the traditional, like the light, and maybe, right. maybe like uh, some weird story about how they saw the aliens and what they did to them right. or whatnot. But. Here it was just like, oh, there was shared symptoms yeah. and sightings yeah. and escorting. Unfortunately, no one was was ditched on the roof of a Wendy's after their probing. Yeah. Their slacks off <laughs> and uh shirt over in a tree nope. two blocks down. But but yeah, this has been the Cash Landrum incident, a very unique one. I know Christian was really eager to be here, but I know he had like something else going on. So Jillian, I'm really wow. happy you were able to sit in with us for this recording. <laughs> but hey. If you enjoyed this task force, like I said at the top of the show, there is merch available for you at store.roosterteeth.com. Support the show, support what we do. You can also support us for free by uh, giving us a review on Spotify. We are still trying to accrue those five stars like a general. But also, if you share us with a friend of yours, bring somebody in the task force. There's no better way to build community and also share your interest in the unknown with us. And uh, also just open up that dialogue with a close friend of yeah. yours. Talk about those aliens. But vet them, though. Make sure like they're qualified right. to be a part of the task force right. and stand beside you. Judge their resume. Um, tear it to shreds. Because apparently we're not vetting well enough. Right. We, we, we <laughs> You know, some cracks formed with our exponential growth. We got... We got 15 departments and 10 people, so it's getting yeah. weird. <laughs> it's gotten really weird. <laughs> Maybe we should have a vetting department. <laughs> you know what? Good idea. Yeah. Write it down. Let's get, let's get that. <laughs> I look to Christian where he isn't. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening so much. And uh, Fredo, we'll see you right back here next Monday for another mystery. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Wow. I feel like I'm not going to see him now. That was such a weird, ominous He's going after question. the aliens. Now he's not even... Where'd he go? It disappeared. Fredo? You can't see that far. Mm -hmm.